Training's hard. Really, really hard. The Texas Longhorns avoid disaster with a 41-20 victory over UTSA last Saturday. Cameron Parker, Wes Scott Eberts here for you on the Winning is Hard podcast. And Wes Scott, it was 17-7. UTSA had just recovered an onside kick, scored on a gadget play. It looked like maybe we're going to have Kansas 2.0, but the Longhorns were able to pull it out. Yeah, you know, Texas definitely responded to some adversity early in that game, uh, really struggling with their tackling early. Um, UTSA, you know, with all the injuries to the offensive line, a uh, situation that worsened during the game, uh, we're really content to, um, you know, pick up three, four yards at every play, uh, try to advance the chains um, as much as possible. They were able to do that. Their first drive went 20 plays, 74 yards, took almost eight and a half minutes of game time off of the clock. Uh, Texas, though, was able to hold UTSA to a field goal. Uh, uh, but really, the, the two big plays came uh, with the onside kick and then the uh, the trick play uh, double pass uh, touchdown that put UTSA up 17-7. Uh, to 7. Um, After that, Texas scored 34 of the final 37 points in the game. Yeah, the first drive really set the tone for UTSA on offense. And for Texas, a quick three now to start the game. Hudson Card missed on two shot plays to Xavier Worthy. And then you mentioned that 22-play, eight-minute drive. Big thing for me, or for me, West Scott, was Texas averaged about three yards per carry on their first two, two-and-a-half drives. Bichon had only two yards per carry. But Texas ended up finishing with, with Bichon averaging 9.2 yards per carry. So I think the second half, and I think you mentioned it in our Slack channel, and you may have tweeted about it, but I think as the game kind of kept progressing, Texas was able to wear down UTSA. And for Frank Harris and Jeff Trailer, I thought they played a, a perfect game for the most part. They had that one false start on their first drive. That probably could have been a touchdown. Instead, they had to settle for a field goal. But Frank Harris, who, despite being sacked seven times the first two, three games of the season, wasn't sacked at all. The only sack came on DeMarvin Overshone's targeting penalty. But before that, no turnovers. And ultimately, it was the pick six that just swung the momentum in favor of Texas. Yeah, Frank Harris, uh, 20 for 35, 232, uh, 222 yards, sorry, uh, completed 69% of his passes. Uh, was really able to avoid multiple sacks uh, when Texas looked like they had him um, in the backfield. Um, extremely quick, very good pocket presence from Frank Harris. Um, has a very good understanding um, of that offense, where defenders are coming from. Um, he also had... Uh, 38 yards on the ground, including a, a long run of 11 yards. Uh, he had a scramble. I believe that was on um, the first drive uh, that helped extend that. They uh, converted um, four of five third downs on that first drive. Um, ultimately, they only ended up um, converting, uh, let's see, uh, nine of nine of 16. Um, so Texas was able to hold them on third downs after that. Um, 
two fourth down holds also for Texas. Uh, so the defense really stepped up after some of those initial struggles. And, um, you know, that, that ball on the interception return sailed a little bit, you know, on, on Frank Harris was tipped, uh, went right to John A. Barron, who was able to return it for the touchdown, uh, the play that really uh, gave Texas a lot of momentum in the game and, and you know, put it away. But, um, you know, that's only the second turnover now for the Texas defense. Uh, still just uh, not getting enough in that department from the Longhorns. How about Jalen Ford? Jalen Ford, 15 tackles on Saturday. He had no tackles the first week and has led Texas in tackling the last two weeks against Bama and against UTSA. Have you seen or did you see this coming from him? Because Ford was just a a three-star prospect coming out of high school and was recruited by Tom Herman. Yeah, I thought Ford was a little bit underrated coming out of high school. Um, you know, certainly sometimes you look at uh, the, the the offers that guys have uh, that are kind of in that in that range where Ford was in the rankings. Um, you know, committed to play at Utah. You know, I talked about this uh, when Texas played Utah in the bowl game a couple of years ago. They've done a fantastic job of evaluating prospects like Jalen Ford. Um, you know, so even just knowing where he was committed, um, what Utah does in the state with defensive players, um, and then watching his film, uh, he was impressed. He had very good film. He was very productive in high school. Uh, so not entirely surprised uh, that Ford is, is turning in this type of production. Um, he was good last year um, in some of his limited opportunities. You know, wasn't quite advanced enough in, in his understanding of the game and, and his uh, comfort level and, and confidence and decisiveness uh, to beat out, uh, you know, Luke Brockermeyer, who is kind of, you know, known as, as more of a cerebral player, certainly lacking a little bit in ath- athleticism. Uh, but Ford was... You know, just a guy that there's a lot of buzz around during the offseason. So it was really surprising that um, he was a no-show in that Louisiana Monroe game. Uh, But the last two weeks, certainly, you know, playing up to his potential, and he could have had even uh, more tackles. Uh, Sark mentioned today that it could have been a 20-tackle game for Ford because he was around the ball that much, uh, but had some missed tackles early in that game, um, as the rest of the Texas defense did. And that was one of the things that they really cleaned up um, in order to – be able to shut down the UTSA offense uh, later in the game in a way that they weren't. Uh, UTSA scored 17 points on their first three possessions. And before we get into Sark's press conference, because there was a couple things in there that were interesting, but from the Texas offensive perspective with Hudson Card, uh, we'll get more on the Quinn Ewers, but if Card is the starter on Saturday, how did you think he played against UTSA? And you know, what's your level of confidence going forward? with Hudson. Yeah, I thought it was another gritty performance. Um, he didn't look like he was a hundred percent on the ankle. Um, he yeah. did have a big 32 yard scramble after Texas had gotten behind the chains. Um, I believe that was in the third quarter. He had a 32 yard scramble that uh, was just a, a big conversion for Texas. Uh, did well managing the game. Didn't put the ball at risk. Um, I thought his pocket presence uh, once again looked much better than it than it did last season. Um, it helped that you know the offensive line did an excellent job protecting him. Um, no stacks on the day, I believe. Uh, for UTSA. Yeah, no sacks. Five tackles for loss for the Roadrunners. Uh, Card 15 for 23, 161 yards, uh, one touchdown. Uh, that was to, to Roshan Johnson. Um, I thought that he did, you know, like I said, I thought he did a good job of managing the game. The shot plays weren't there once again. Um, I thought he had a couple opportunities um, to hit Xavier Worthy, who, you know, 
credit to him has, you know, been working hard as a blocker and, and, um, you know, hasn't shown any visible frustration, even though we're now three games into the season, he doesn't have a touchdown yet. And, uh, that throw from Ewers, uh, to worthy right before his injury, that 46 yard pass, that's really the only, uh, big shot play that they've hit to him so far this season. Yeah, I think he had four receptions, about 46, 41 yards against UTSA. Jordan Whittington, leading reception leader, I think, on the, on the team so far this season. And, and Sark was asked about one player who may not be getting talked about enough. And the first person he mentioned was Jordan Whittington. Yeah, so far, Jordan Whittington stayed healthy. He's been extremely reliable. He has, you know, great hands. Um, he's not the most explosive player. Um, in terms of the yardage that he's been able to create, but um, he runs good routes. He's a good blocker um, and a good team leader as well. I mean, he's a guy that that really checks all the bo- uh, boxes for what you want um, out of a teammate and and uh, out of your, one of your top wide receivers. And before we move on, Bijan Robinson came in this game, not 100%, had a shoulder injury, and then the box score, let's see here. Oh, yeah, 202 total yards, three total touchdowns, and it looked like he was running at, what, like 70%, 80% in that contest? Yeah, he certainly wasn't hitting top speed. Um, You know, on that 78-yard touchdown run that he had that started to really break the game open in the third quarter, Um, only hit 19 miles an hour. Uh, Sark said that he was – Sark said that he, uh, you know, was was ribbing him a little bit for that. Um, we don't know what Bijan's top speed in, in miles per hour is, but you know, I think it definitely um, is over 20, 20 miles an hour. I'm not not really sure, uh, you know, what was up with that on on that play. But um, you know, one thing that I thought was notable about that run in particular was that, um, you know, at halftime and you know, right before that play, you know, Sarko's telling them, you know, just get downhill and stop spinning and, and dancing around in the backfield. And um, they called a, a wildcat play for him with uh, Jatavian Thomas, uh, Jatavian Sanders as a lead blocker. And, you know, Sark told him that he, that he thought he was going to be able to break off a long run on it. And uh, Bijan hit it. Sanders made a great block. UTSA was playing their, their safeties really close to the line of scrimmage. Uh, so it didn't take very long uh, to get past that third level of the defense and once he did uh, he had enough wheels um, to be able to get in the end zone with a little bit of help from you know Xavier Worthy he was really burning down the field to be able to make sure that he could kind of get in that get in the way for that uh, last block to make sure that that Bijan could get into the end zone um, he also had a 41 yard touchdown run after that um, Texas averaged almost 14 yards per carry in the second half. Uh, I think, you know, those those two big plays, you know, were a huge part of that. Uh, you know, also the, the long run on the scramble from Hudson Card. But I think UTSA just, uh, they left everything that they had on the field, but I don't really think that they had um, just the stamina or the depth to be able to hold up against Texas. Uh, Texas was able to lean on them in the second half and really create separation. And, and um, you know, that's something that good teams do against overmatched opponents. Yeah, I thought Jeff Trailer coached his ass off in that game. You know, really showed why even Tom Herman wanted to bring him back. And he's an excellent coach, excellent recruiter, UTA special, and not looking forward to playing them in two years. Hopefully, Trailer has accepted another job because that could be a little bit scary. But I think Texas will be in a better spot in the program than they are even right now. Real quick on Bijan, he's got up to 2,100 total yards. That's 17th most in Texas history. Now, if he can get to 3,000, he will be seventh, just 
behind Vince Young. Do you think that's possible? Get to three thousand the rest of this. Uh, so he would need about so nine hundred. Yeah, about eight hundred and fifty more yards to surpass Roosevelt Leaks, running back from nineteen seventy two to seventy four. Yeah, I think he can definitely do that. Nine games left, not even 100 yards per game. I think he could he could hit that for sure. He's going to I think he's going to end up leaving Texas and the stats won't dictate and show how good of an athlete, how good of a football player he really was. Yeah, um, I definitely agree with that. Certainly, you know, had a little bit of a slow start to his career. People like to blame that on Tom Herman. Um, you know, he also nearly broke himself in half in that Texas Tech game on his last trip to Lubbock, which he, um, you know, mentioned today in the in interviews with the media. Um, I think that that really set him back, um, probably more so than, than Tom Herman did. Um, and then, you know, his injury late last season cost him a couple games as well. So, um, you know, hopefully Bijan can get through this entire season healthy. And, um, you know, if he does, that'll be the first time in his career at Texas. So moving forward to today's press conference from Steve Sarkeesian, probably the biggest news from that Westcott was that Steve Sarkeesian said that all three quarterbacks, including Quinn Ewers, practice today. Yeah, he did. Um, you know, Sark a little bit less cagey than he was last week. Um, he didn't provide a lot of specifics in terms of what the level of participation was in practice for Quinn Ewers. Um, I would be a little bit surprised if he was, you know, a full participant in, in going through uh, team periods. Um, but, you know, Malik Murphy was also practicing. He said that Hudson Card was able to bounce back well. Um so, you know, the, the quarterback situation, you know, right now is in much a much better spot uh, than it was last week. You know, probably have more information on, on Thursday and then, you know, again, early on Saturday about, you know, what the participation level of, of Quinn Ewers might be for that game. Um, I would be surprised if he's available. Um, he certainly, you know, he did dress on Saturday. He went through pregame warmups, um, but, you know, just really wasn't, um, really wasn't throwing at full velocity. I would put him at about half speed. And uh, when Texas was going through the the team periods, um, you know, late in their pregame warmups, he wasn't participating at all. So your prediction then for Saturday is that it's probably going to be Hudson Card starting. Yeah, I would expect it would be Hudson Card again, and then uh, Quinn Ewers with a, a chance to return. I think against West Virginia the week after that. Yeah, that's huge. I mean, after the Bama game, we were hoping that we would get yours back maybe by Oklahoma. Pete Thamel was the first one to report it was going to be six to eight weeks. And then Bruce Feldman from the Athletic, I think, or the Action Network, one of the two, said it was going to be two to four weeks. And then Steve Sarkeesian didn't say anything last week. So definitely a good sign that he's throwing, at least for pregame. Do you think also that some of this is just gamesmanship tactics from Sark to try and mess with, you know, Jeff Trailer by putting yours out there? I can't imagine what the UTSA coaches saw when they saw yours out there throwing in pregame warmups. And then even just saying today, Monday, that, hey, yours did practice to try and maybe, you know, force Joey McGuire and this Texas Tech team to prepare little bit more just in case or what are your thoughts yeah, I think there, yeah I think there's certainly a level of, of gamesmanship in, involved in that definitely now another other big news coming from today that actually 
turns out not to be news was uh, the, the Marvin Overshone story. It was reported today by Chris Homer from 247 Sports that Overshone was arrested in Van Sant County, which is close to his hometown, close to where um, his newborn child is at, was arrested for possession of marijuana less than two ounces, which is a joke. But either way, he had been arrested. And then it came out from Anwar Richardson and later Brian Davis that this actually happened last December. Uh, Sarkeesian said that he served his punishment or whatever you want to call it internally months ago and that today he had just reported to Van Sant County to the courthouse to go through a walkthrough. So Oberstone, who was already has already been suspended for the first half because of a you know a BS targeting call that Sark did appeal and we'll later find out more hopefully by the end of this week if he'll be available. But it looked like for a moment that Overstone was going to be at least suspended for a game for possibly this whole situation. But it turns out it's not news West Scott and this was a a, a news story that that was blown way out of proportion. Yeah, um, no question about that. Um, you know, certainly looked like there might be a, a suspension from that when the news initially broke. Um, now it's possible if, if the appeal um, is, is upheld and, and that targeting call is overturned, that that Overshone could be available for the full game on Saturday. Certainly he will be available for the second half. Um, have you ever seen a targeting penalty called for a hit on a defenseless player um, on a quarterback standing in the pocket? I didn't know that a quarterback was deemed defenseless until today. Which blows my mind, considering he has five offensive linemen who are there to literally defend him. And that Texas couldn't tackle him in the pocket for three quarters. Yep. He seemed uh, less less than defenseless most of the time when uh, the Texas pass rushers were starting to close in on them. So uh, just an extremely strange call. Um didn't end up, you know, costing Texas in that game. Uh, they were able to get a stop on that drive, uh, but it was certainly a moment that had the potential uh, to really change the momentum. And um, you know, the second week in a, in a row with a, a really questionable call. Uh, you know, of course, it was overshown as well in the end zone um, on that Bryce Young play that wasn't ruled the yep. safety. Um, yep. He was initially called for targeting um, somehow, even though he didn't come close to the head or neck area of Bryce Young, uh, which were on the ground at that point. Um, he hit him higher than that. Um, just, you know, my hope is that when Texas goes to Lubbock next week, uh, that there's not just another egregiously awful call that either swings momentum in the game or has the potential to do so. I, I feel like that shouldn't be too much to ask for, but maybe that's just how it's going to go until Texas loses conference. I, I can't get over how they can because the referees did not throw the flag for targeting, right? They were going on to the next play, and it was a third down sack. It was the first time Texas had sacked Frank Harris. It was a huge flip in momentum, and then they go to the booth to review it. So they can review targeting, but they couldn't review and overturn the fact that Bryce Young was down in the end zone for his safety. This is where we're at in college football rules in 2022. It's backwards. Yep. And to clarify, for what it's worth, Chris Hummer has clarified that he was wrong. The report has been changed. So, but like you mentioned, Westcott, it looked like possibly Texas was going to be in, you know, deep water with Overshone, possibly missing more than a game. But it's good news that at least we're going to have him for the second half, considering the impact he has made this season so far for the Texas defense. Yeah, no doubt. Um, one of the most important players on defense and, you know, one of the guys that they that they need to make a few more impact plays. 
Anything else from the, the UTSA game you wanted to touch on? Uh, I thought one of the interesting things was um, just using the um, you know the wildcat formation a little bit with Roshan Johnson. Uh, a couple plays with Hudson Card in there too. Uh, they, they were able to pick up um, some chunk plays. Uh, the throw to Roshan Johnson, um, two throws to Roshan Johnson actually that uh, produced a 19-yard gain and, and then a touchdown uh, that looked like elements of of the go-go offense that Brandon Marion uh, used it at Howard so I thought you know that was interesting to incorporate some of his uh, two-back stuff even though you know Texas isn't going to be running um, a lot of quarterback any really any quarterback run plays for Hudson Card uh, maybe you know zone read uh, close to the goal line every once in a while um, but you know in, in the Wildcat showing some some more um diverse play calling that that really looked like they had Marion's fingerprints on them that that weren't in that wildcat package last year and I, I thought that was you know really successful and um you know especially using those in the red zone after the issues that that Texas had punching the ball in for touchdowns in that area against Alabama last week I thought was smart uh, play calling from from Sark and uh you know I think that's a really valuable package for Texas uh that they should continue featuring every week even when Quinn Ewers comes back I like the way Sark called that game on Saturday the offense is going to be different than what it is with Quinn Ewers. And I don't think people really understand that, Westcott, because people still complained about, yeah, the offense played like crap. They scored on every drive, but the first drive in that first half. Like, Quinn Ewers and Hudson Carr are not the same quarterbacks. Yeah, and, and Card's certainly, you know, not fully healthy either. Um, yeah. So I, I don't think it's really fair to come to any strong conclusions. Um, you know, certainly the issues on on the shot plays and that deep ball accuracy is something that's carried over from last season. Um, it may be one of the reasons why he wasn't able to win the starting job over yours. You know, without being able to, you know, see what happens in practice, it's hard to say if if that's what, you know, Card looks like behind, um, you know, closed doors over at Frank Denny's fields. But, um, you know, that's an area that, that Texas uh, needs to get right over the coming weeks. And, you know, I, like you said, uh, you know, I think Card is going to have another game as a starter. And, you know, Texas, um, you know, may need to hit on some of those plays to be able to beat Tech and Lubbock this weekend. And also important to remember that, you know, Hudson Card did not lose this game for Texas against UTSA and did not lose the game for Alabama. And, you know, if, if Texas was able to pull that game off, you'd look back and say, well, yeah, maybe Hudson Card didn't make a lot of, you know, bang, bang plays, but he did enough for Texas to win. He moved the ball when they needed to, and he didn't turn the ball over. And through two games, the last two games, Texas has had zero turnovers. And they've had one turnover all year. That was Quinn Ewers' second pass, I believe, of his college career, the third player of the Texas football season. But besides that, Hudson Card, he's played a clean football. And that's all you can ask of someone who's, you know, probably, what, 70 80%. He looked a little bit better on that 32-yard run early on, but he also will be making, I think it's his second career Big 12 start against Texas Tech. He did start, I think it was the Iowa State game last year, Westcott, um, and Texas lost that one, what was it, 20, 30-7, and he played a little bit against West Virginia after Hudson Card. He went out in that first half with an injury, so second time Hudson Card's making a career start in the Big 12 on the road and a little bit better that it's not at night. Um, it'll be it'll be his first uh, Big 12 start. First? We didn't start against Iowa State? 
No, uh, Casey Thompson started in that game and got pulled really quickly for ineffectiveness. Okay. That was one of the days when uh, his thumb was um, non-functional last year. I said corrected it. So, yeah, it's his first career start. So, I mean, he's played in Big 12 games before, but it's weird because we've had Hudson Card in this roster for three years, but he hasn't had a, a true road start then. And against Texas Tech, is uh, that's a fun way to get it started. Yeah. Last uh, last start for Card was um, the Arkansas game last year after he got benched after that one. But he has played in. He played against Alabama. That's that's a as high pressure as it gets. He looked good there. Looked poised, and then UTSA again didn't make any mistakes. I think that's all Texas and Sark can ask for him. We'll get more Texas Tech preview coming here on Wednesday. Lubbock, it's Westcott's favorite fan base and favorite town, right? <laughs> no comment today. <laughs> Texas, how about this? Texas opened as a four-point favorite, which I found very interesting. It's now climbed to six, so uh, just a touchdown favorite. But, yeah, we'll be back Wednesday and get you ready for um, I don't know, it's Little Brothers in Lubbock. What, what do we refer to Texas Tech as? Um, I think they're stepchild. Stepchild, yeah. Yeah. Well, maybe our last our last road game in Lubbock and again we'll get you ready for it right here on the Winning is Art podcast winning's hard really really hard